Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. All right. We're really close together physically, Mm -hmm. and we still can't clap at the same time. (laughs) I know. Uh, Well, I mean, part of it is just I'm slow. (laughs) Um, You know, even though, you know, we we were like one, two, three, clap, I'm I'm still, you know, half second behind you. All right. I'm slow, too. I spent (laughs) no, no lie. The problem that we were just talking about, I spent like kind of the last two weeks on these weird bugs and edge cases. I guess they weren't really edge cases. It was truthfully like, I think I don't understand Ecto or there's a bug in Ecto, which I might argue a little bit, but uh, I have to dig into Ecto to figure that out. And I haven't tonight, but I got these new bugs. Check those out. Awesome. Handmade. Love, love, Handmade. love that binary noggin merch. Hey, thanks. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> I should have been wearing the t-shirt today. I was going to keep the company in myself, but. (laughs) Oh, man. So Ecto is giving you pain. Yeah, Ecto and LiveView together. So um, picture this in a world. I'm going to make, I'm going to make up what we're actually doing, but in a world where let's say you're creating invoices, right? And invoices have many line items. Yep. And let's just assume for some reason those line items maybe be able to appear on multiple places for some reason. Don't know why. So you, you don't want to do that or you want to be able to search by them something. So you don't want to do them as embedded. You actually want them as a separate table. in the database. Okay. Like it, Makes sh- sense. like it should. <laughs> so you have cast ASOC, right? And you can pass in a list of those and they'll get created. Whenever you create an invoice, you get all of your line items, right? And they run through their own error handling. And it, the world inside of Phoenix works beautiful. The forms work great for error handling and everything if you're using a change set. Otherwise, they, you got a lot of hand jamming that you have to do yourself. So, yep. so you do such a thing. And you think it's going to be really easy. And, and I, I've done this in JavaScript before, like just straight JavaScript, where you have buttons to add fields or remove fields, things like that. But you decide that you're going to do it with Live View. Right. And well, that was your first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but go on. Okay. <laughs> so, which means really that you're probably more than likely going to back that form by a change set at all times. And if you want to add sure. a new line item, you're going to inject a new line item into your change set. Right. Okay. Change sets don't work super well with list like i can't just say add a line item so when i when i put in an association of a has many i have a list of them right if i try to put in just one thing into the list any of them that are currently already in the list it's overriding the whole list right so i actually have to right get the changes that are currently out there and add a new one to it and then put it back in and that will add a new one to this yes. right Yes. Remove. I'm following. Yeah. Remove. So this is a brand new invoice, right? I'm just creating it the first time. Remove. I have to reach into that change set and pull the, the item out of it and then re it pull the line item out and then give it back the list of line item changes without that line item. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So um, that can all work pretty well. There's a, there's a thing for get change. Where you can t- pass in a change set, get change. I get the change of the line items, pull it out, edit the list, 
put everything back. So I put, I put, uh, put change, put, um, I didn't put change. I used put ASOC. Right. Okay. Which is weird. Is it ASOC or ASOC? Since it's an association. I, I don't know. It's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you, everybody knows that I'm not talking about socks. So we're good there. Yeah. Um, I have plain white socks on today, so it wouldn't be really that exciting. I, I put socks on today. Yeah, you did too. <laughs> good. Uh, I put a sock on. Just one. Yeah, that was my my joke about yeah. put a sock. Okay. Gosh, you know, because it's just one sock. Yeah, if we explain it, it's better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jokes are always better at explaining. That's right. See, Keithley, we told you. <laughs> uh, and that was funny because explaining jokes is better. It's a joke about it. Yeah. Anyway, exactly. We can meta this all the way down. Well, we just explained it. There's nothing more to explain. <laughs> um. All right. So, uh, that's pretty straightforward, right? Now we go back to that invoice. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we have items that are already there. So, if we want to edit those items, we just change the field. It's probably we don't even need to push anything to the back end at that point. We hit save. We need to push the back. Except for whenever we want to add an item, right? All those changes that are currently there because we're affecting the change set is going to cause a repaint of the form. Like if we add another item, okay, the form yeah. lose any changes that we might have made up above. Like maybe the customer that the invoice is for. So that means that we need the form to probably be sending its data to the back end over and over. So we're constantly keeping that change set on the back end up to date with the front. So we've created a little more traffic, probably not a big deal. So when we want to remove something that's already there, it exists. Um, so we're, we've we're, we got to keep this change set up to date constantly with what's on the front end. We have a button that says remove. We have a remove event in the back end. So we have to keep, we have to know which item we're removing. Is this a new item? Or an old item. And if it's a, a new item, we have to be able to find it and it has to be unique. So we give it a temp ID when we create a new item on the page mm-hmm. that we can track. And that tells us, oh, dig it out of the changes or dig it out of the the set. Well, actually, I guess it says it, we set a, a virtual attribute called remove on any of them that already exist. And then a change set, you can then say, if remove is true, apply, delete. As long as you're only doing an insert. Or as, as long as you're calling update an ecto. If you call insert an ecto and you have anything marked as delete, you get an error. Just makes sense. Okay, so that seems pretty straightforward and I can handle that. I can check to see if this exists or not. But then you get into like get field versus get change. Because if you change one of those items, you have to pull everything out, make the one change, put everything in as a change. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, you're going to overwrite the whole list. So you're going to use get field instead of get change the first time. And then if there is a change, now you now make need... me have to dig up the docs. <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> like, I can't remember which one's which right? anymore. <laughs> Everybody's really bored right now. So get field says that yeah. it gets the changes. If there are changes, otherwise it gets from the field. Okay. Okay. So that seems like the way to go. Like use get field all the time. So we put in these removes. 
we've added and let's say we add a new one. Here's here's one of the bugs I ran into that'll that'll just drive you batty. Okay. Okay. Click remove of an existing line item. Or uh sorry, never mind. Scratch that. Get to a page with existing line items. Yeah, click remove. Remove all of the existing line items. Okay. So okay. I I should have a change set with a bunch of changes that say remove true on all of these existing line items. Add a new line item. Remove the new line item. Suddenly, all of the existing line items come back. Hmm. And I I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. I was using get field, expecting get field to give me the changes. And if there aren't any to give right. me the original fields and I can put them in as changes. Uh, so I could always call get field, I thought. And not worry about get changes unless I'm explicitly saying, I know this is a change. So use get change when you're getting rid of a temp, right? Yeah, that, that makes sense because you only care about the things that are being added. Yeah. Um, whereas get field, you want either the thing that already exists or the thing that it was changed to. Right. Yep. So I used get field when I was working with existing things that I knew existed. Mm -hmm. And I used get change if I knew something didn't exist. And if I didn't okay. know, I just used get field because it should get the changes anyway. Right. right. Makes sense. Yeah. So I'm I'm banging my head. Banging my head. I and I still don't know why this works. <laughs> um because I was like, well, if I'm clicking remove on all of these, then I should have a list of changes that say that remove is true. And whenever I try to add a new one and then I remove that one, I should get from the list of changes and I should just remove the new one, but I should still return the rest of the changes. And for some reason, those were disappearing. Hmm. The other weird thing is, is that I could see my change set that I was setting. I could, I did an inspect on it because it was just, I, I was lost. I was completely lost to what was going on. And it would say that this remove field was set to true on all of them. And then I would go inspect on the front end and the, the inputs for on the form would say that it was false. That is wild. Uh, it, one, one thing that came to mind is, are, are you, have you looked at this on replace thing on your associations? And yes. Schemas? Yes. And yeah, I don't, that, I don't that, quite, that was always a tripping point for I, me. I don't quite yeah. understand what it does either what I ended up doing ended up not needing on replace. Hmm. So whenever okay. I say, I would say get change or get field. I don't remember. I used a with, and I would say nil. I would match on nil with, I think get change in some instances. And if so that if I, there was no change, then it would fall back to get field. Within the width. Okay. That's what I ended up doing because, and and then it just worked. But I banged wow. my head on this for days. And I don't know that that's the right solution. I just needed to get it to work. <laughs> and then I need to yeah, do it again because sure. I spent too many days on this. Yeah. And to me, it sounds like there's, there's, a, there's some dissonance there between, and th this may be obscured by the way that, you know, Phoenix or, or Live View or Ecto for that matter is in like encouraging you to structure these operations. But it's, it feels like there's some dissonance there between I want to modify this one thing or 
I'm modifying the collection and, and treating them as the same thing is what's like making that complicated for you. Yeah. Now I can, I can understand uh, in many, many cases, treating them as the same thing is more efficient. And in an app I worked on previously, uh, we did that. Um, and part of it was that what we did is we, we kind of generated a data structure that represented the state of the world as we wanted it. Mm-hmm. And then, and so, so this is basically be like uh, constructing params, you know, and, and then uh, we would load all of the, all of the records and then cast the entire data structure. So like following all the cast associates. Mm-hmm. And as long as all the input things that we wanted to keep had IDs, you know, Ecto was smart enough to figure out that, oh, this one needs to be deleted or this one needs to be updated. And then, you know, the, the, the update uh, would, would apply all of the appropriate changes. Now, I, I think with this case of, you know, your live view form, you're probably just wanting to do a smaller subset of those operations. You're not saying, I'm going to give you the whole invoice every time you update right. with all of its line items, right. right? Like you're not doing that. And so now, now you're like, you're, you're kind of bumping into the walls there with what Ecto wants you to do, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and I think live view too, like I have to, I really need the whole form in the back end because the form, I have to have the whole change set because the form is based on the change set. Right. Unless I want to keep track of all these fields individually and write my own form and things like that. And then I lose some of the niceties that come out of. Okay. So, so this is, this is actually clarifying something for me in, in your live view implementation. Are you, are you taking the change set that you have and like trying to find a nested change set inside it to make a modification on? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Cause that, that's, I think where it gets a little bit. Yeah. Dicey. Like, well, it has many as a nested change set. Right. Right. And, right. and yeah. And like, like you said, there's like, if I have something nested inside, so normally it's, it's not a list, right? It's just an, it's just mm-hmm. like a one thing. And I just pass in the new change. Right. Which is great. Once I have a list, there's this extra cognitive overhead to remember that I need to grab the original fields yep, and make sure that those end up in the changes too, because otherwise I'm going to overwrite the whole thing. Yeah. And um, then every once in a while you run into the on replace error that pops up and says it's freeze. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> uh, well, I can tell it to delete and that works sometimes, but it's not, I don't, I, I, understand i don't understand the the on 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 delete is on delete mm-hmm. yeah uh, on replace on delete. replace yeah delete. yeah it, it, it's it's hard i i think the, those are those are not always so clear mm-hmm. and i i think i have generally used either nullify or delete but it, but if you if you think about it in terms of because like this is one of those like orm introduces problems you never had before kind mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if you think about it in terms of the database tables, well, delete is like on cast on delete cascade or what would be the, there, there really is no analog actually. Uh, but it would be, if you, if you dissociate, you, you need to delete the record that was associated. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you said your, 
your invoice items need to be reused. Are they like uh, possible to exist on multiple invoices? These aren't really invoice items. <laughs> and so I can't, <laughs> I can't talk about the whole thing. I would say po- there's a possibility. Okay. Because that's maybe a little well, bit I, weird for an invoice item. Okay, but so yeah, let's, a line item. let's say that your invoice item is a discount, maybe. And it's always the same. Okay. Consistent. And so you, you give this discount to a client. Mm-hmm. And now it needs to appear on all their invoices. Or something like that. And and it... Well, okay. okay. That's still a line item. Maybe you can now, have... Now, now maybe, you're talking about many-to-many, many, though. Like, that's a different kind of situation than, uh, you know, a, a, a directly nested... That's true, because now I have set. that association in the middle. But, right. But for the most part, that, that just kind of works in my experience. Mm-hmm. I guess has many did too until I tried to build the has many over time, which is really where mm. it ran into problems. Cause otherwise I, I could just, you know, do the, make sure to grab the original ones. Here's the changes, put them back in. But it, again, there's that extra step of remembering to grab the originals. It just right. seems air prone. And I'm trying to like, is, is there a good API? And I thought about this while I was working. Is there a good API that we could create to do that within Ecto itself? Because it seems like it would be pretty common. But then you I also mean, have I to remember you know, like, preloads. I, I mean, is what, what you do, right? Just, oh, that's true. Like preload doesn't put it into the change sets. Once you're building change sets, right? They're the that's when it becomes an issue. Hmm. Because I need to remember in the change set to add back in the original thing the original items in the list otherwise they all go away on the front end on the front end in the database mm. that wouldn't happen yeah because i was thinking uh, again like the the app that i told you about um where we would just like essentially reconstruct the entire nest like hierarchy of things uh mm-hmm. it was always preload everything and then so I guess I guess I'm just kind of wondering, like, is there is, you know, between changes on your live view, is this change set being kept around or are you recreating it every time you have a change to apply? The same change set is being kept around and we're just updating. That, the change that might set. be part of the problem. Like if, if you can go from, you know, we keep the record around or we fetch the record whenever the record and its associated records when things are changing. So how do you. Okay, so whenever I click remove or add, mm-hmm. it doesn't have the whole change set. Then I'm just trying to add one new thing. Oh. So then I got to keep track of a list of new and old ones and rebuild the change set all the time, which I have done it that way in the past. <laughs> yeah. And I kept thinking there's got to be there's got to be a better. I ultimately ended up with like three functions that uh, are all pretty short. There's one of them. One of them's mm-hmm. a little bigger than the other, but they're, I would say, internal to that. There's some strangeness that uh, I'm probably, I'll probably end up writing something about it, writing a blog post about it, because I could, yeah. I could not find anything on the internet that talked about it directly. And I'm, I'm going to take another peruse through the Ecto documentation, maybe see if there's something I can do there. 
because it is very different whenever you are building these things or, or when you click remove, you don't get the whole form. I don't really want to submit the whole form back to the back end just to remove one line item. From yeah. And I think there's a, um, there, there might be a good disconnect for these associations, which are essentially like lists, right? If you think about it, the data structure you'd hold in memory versus the, um, Let me take a step back from that. But like, you know, the active change set is keeping your data, the underlying thing that already exists or is considered the, the source of truth. And then separately are the things that need to change. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I guess, yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're like saying, I, I want to add a new item to this list of associated items, somehow there has to be a change registered on the entire list of items and then the new thing added. Yep. And this is, and then, you know, if you delete any of those, then that's another kind of change. Yeah. This is, that has to be, that has to be man. handled differently. Cause if it's an existing yeah. item, you need to set removed true the virtual field and you have to handle that in the change set later, or you have to just point out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I, I, I could imagine, let's say you, you had a sequence of operations where you added a new item, mm -hmm. which triggers that this field has changed, and then you remove that new item. You now you've, you've taken it out of the set of new changes, but it still looks like the entire, sorry, the entire association has changed, mm -hmm. even though you haven't changed any of the other items that existed. Like you haven't deleted them, you haven't modified any of their fields. That that could be bad too. And I, I think, I think maybe this is a big maybe in my head as we've been talking about this is so to handle the removes right in the change set, I process all of the validations. I also check through any of them to see if remove is true. And if it is, I add action delete to it. And I so think whenever I add that action to it, it pulls it out of the changes. It's no longer a change. It's like prepared mm -hmm. and ready to go out the door. And so then when I, re this is just a thought, it's a, it's, this may not even be how it works. Somebody will, I'm sure, correct me in the comments. Uh, it is, I think that it gets pulled out of the changes. So then when I end up at, like removing the new thing, you know, mm -hmm. remember when I, I have two old ones, I remove those, I add a new one, then remove it then all the old ones come back. I think it's because there's no longer change for those. So now my changes look empty. So get field goes back to the original fields and puts yeah. it back on the view. I think that's what's happening, which is a surprising behavior in my mind at best. Yes, I would agree with that. Okay. So that's, that's my new, thought I'm going to write this down because I'll forget in 10 minutes and I want to go see if that's actually what's happening. <laughs> yes. Uh, listeners. Send us your comments. <laughs> Help Amos out here because we're both, <laughs> we're both lost. <laughs> Just adding an action, take away changes. That's right. Mm -hmm. And speaking of listeners, uh, I, we, we have a friend of the show, Chris, who is a native Northland, Kansas City Northland person who now does not live here anymore. I won't give away where you live, Chris, but Chris reached out to let us 
know that our show notes were messed up. I don't know. I've yeah. talked to a couple of listeners recently, but I wanted to thank him for his feedback and his help. Uh, so we also sent him a little thoughts pin. So. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. That was a good segue you had there. Didn't even know you were setting me up, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> also today, friend of the show. This is the day we're recording, so that we're going to age this right now. But it's Steve Bussey's birthday. So happy birthday, Steve. Happy birthday, Steve. I've now hit you on all of the social media that I know that I can connect to. I guess if you consider a podcast social media, I'm not sure. So yeah, that was my Ecto and Anger. Ecto live. Anger weird. at Ecto? <laughs> it, well, it was, it's really, it was, it was a combination, right? Because mm-hmm. if I had been building these things and just tried to set them all into the change set at the same time, probably would have been, everything would have been fine. I would have had to remember that one thing with adding and removing. Um, But, well, actually, no, because if I had the form just submit as a whole list of attributes, it wouldn't matter. So it was the fact that I was trying to build it over time and change the change set over time, which I would not have been doing without live view or it wouldn't even have to be live view if I hadn't had some kind of like web socket type real-time interaction with the user because i would have the same problem if i did a scenic front end for it right and i wanted to adjust mm-hmm. it over time i would have ran into the same problem so it that was it was rough <laughs> it yeah was, it, it was pretty yeah, that rough. is rough uh i did try to make an embedded schema we do have an embedded schema for that like that front end which sometimes i found is good like it's really helpful to have a, a schema just for your form and other times it makes things really complicated. So that, that can be like building out that form the first time. And sometimes there's like virtual field. You like want to send this stuff to the back to the real uh, change sets, or you want to write it directly to the database just through that change set. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just sometimes it's quite, you have change sets for your change sets. Yeah. <laughs> it starts to get a little hairy. And then whenever you get your response from your multi, you have to rebuild your form change set out of that new response and send it out, which sometimes doesn't build in the same way as you want for actually displaying the first time. Yeah. So, so do you do a lot of these updates inside a, a multi? Yes, not all of them. So like the, mm-hmm. the particular form that we're talking about has two... Uh, I would call them top level items. Um, mm-hmm. So, so we created the embedded to cover both of those. But then these these line items, we just did those as a cast ASOC. There's because mm-hmm. when you, when you're creating like a whole bunch of them at once, I guess I could have done that with the multi, but it was pretty simple to use the cast ASOC and let it go, except for this. Yep weird problem which i might have run into anyway using an embedded change set right mm-hmm. or an embedded scheme sorry not an embedded change set yeah i've my mileage with with multi has varied to when i'm trying to go back to a phoenix form mm-hmm. versus just like if i'm using a multi with something that's not phoenix so there's not like a reason to go back to a change set and i just need to display some error to the user then it's not like multis are great, but yeah. it's when I need to 
get those results back. Merging change set errors is just feels like, why am I writing this? There's got to be. Yeah, that's that's pain incarnate. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think I think the the most interesting use I've seen of of multi was um, a case where, you know, at, at the at the point of the API call, we didn't know all of the things that would need to be updated in their dependencies. And so there were some um, interrelated functions where we would call, you know, we'd be constructing the multi and and then you would, I think it was like inside one of the functions, you would merge some other multi that you just constructed into the current one. So like you were building up a transaction as you executed it. And uh, and that was really powerful, but it was almost it almost felt over engineered because you're like, are we just doing the problem wrong? <laughs> right. Uh, but but that was that was pretty neat. Um, and I, I don't even know if I can explain that. But if you if you look up the docs for merge on multi, mm-hmm. um, there are certain I don't want to say there there's there's certain uh, steps you can add where you can merge in some other multi into the current one as you're going. Um, and, and that was, that was pretty cool. I feel like when I'm using but most, most of the time, most of the time I feel like change sets, like if you can get all of it into a single change set, then Ecto will just do the right thing for you. Yeah. Um, but that can be really hard to accomplish sometimes. I, I think where I found is whenever, uh, where I want some very specific validation that's mm-hmm. that's maybe super interdependent that I can I can do it a lot of times but uh, like I have one right now where um, certain things are required but only if a specific checkbox is checked yeah so then to get that all the way down to the bottom change set I now have a virtual field that I need to make sure that gets passed all the way down so that, that bottom change set can do that validation. Mm-hmm. When, if I do one for the form itself, I can just do that validation at that top level pretty pretty easily because it looks like like our, our line items. Let's say that line items are only required if a certain checkbox is there, mm-hmm. or if you check that checkbox, they're no longer required. Like this is just a reminder. I don't I don't know why you do that with anyways. Ignore yeah. ignore my the- example, <laughs> <laughs> but. Have you heard the good word of prepare changes? Have you used prepare changes? I have not. I've I've looked at it a few times and I helped somebody debug some prepare changes. And in the way they were using them, I was like, this feels really wrong. Like like, like we've, we've broken something, but that was, that was one of the instances where we used multi because I needed to get stuff passed down to the lower. Mm-hmm. But okay, let's hear this prepare changes. Tell me about it. Yeah. So, so um, obviously you know about it, so I'm not explaining it to you. I don't know. Um, I don't, but, I really don't like oh, I helped, okay. I helped debug like what was inside of the prepare changes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm, I'm not sure that this is even how we should solve this. So I didn't look into it that much. Only looked at it. Yeah. Once. So, so, Normally, your your validations are with respect to a single field on your chain set, right? So, so if you if you're writing a custom validator, you use validate change, uh, and you know you, you pass pass it a function that is, uh, you know, takes takes the the details about that change on that field, and then you know returns 
either like an empty list of errors or a list of fields that are an error. And so that's fine, like in most cases uh, where you you don't you don't care about those interdependencies of things. Um, but in the case you're talking about where you're saying, well, there's probably a checkbox, which is on the top level change set because it's a virtual field for this form. You want to accept that and then maybe determine whether something like deep down in the you know, hierarchy of the data structure should exist or have particular format or whatever because you've checked that checkbox. So prepare changes um, is kind of like a catch-all. Do something before this change set is considered complete. Um, so, so if somebody, you know, all of the, the, the things where you call validate, um, those all happen, uh, as, as soon as you call them, but prepare changes says like, just add a function that will be called right before you call update or insert, uh, or delete. And, uh, and so you can do things like, I think most often what people use it for is, well, um, there's some data coming in that implies I should create these other records, but that's not important to the user. So I'll add these associated things, or um, I will add, um, uh, I will, I will check the amount of, or some some other table in the database to get some other information to populate this change set uh, with some some data that it needs. So those are the kinds of things you do with it, but it, it's basically, it just takes a change set and returns the change set. So in, in the case of this, like where you have this kind of cross-cutting concern, um, that can't really be expressed with a single field, validating a single field. Mm -hmm. you, you could look at the entire change set, traverse the changes inside that function, and then add errors to it as needed um, to indicate that yeah, this entire change set is is wrong because you checked this box and these other fields need to be filled out. Okay. Yeah, that would probably be way better than passing a virtual field down because it's a real field up a level. It's, right. And I, yeah, <laughs> and a virtual field down. I also could see this. Is this, would this be something just in listening to what you said? So like, like okay, an invoicing app. I uh, created an account on the invoicing app. Um, maybe we're going to be able to have multiple users. So I need to create a company record at the same time, mm -hmm. but not, I don't always need to do that. I only need to do that if a company record doesn't exist already. Right. Because I'm going to add another. So would that be a place prepared changes would check and say, Hey, is there a company already? No. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and create yeah. one. Yeah. You could, you could do that and you could use it to validate that the, the company that they're referring to in the form submission actually exists, you know, stuff like that. Nice. Yeah, that would be, that would be way better than what. <laughs> <laughs> not, I mean, not terrible. Like I just have a function for signing up that versus inviting. That's a different path mm -hmm. through the code and signing up says I'm going to create a company also. That's a very common thing. Yeah. In web apps. Yeah. You have an account and then you have like a top level thing, like a team and your account belongs mm -hmm. to a team. Yeah. And then you get to belong to multiple teams too. Then it starts to get extremely complicated. Ooh. I do invoicing for eight companies cause I'm an accountant. So yeah. <laughs> I need an account and I need to be able to get to these eight companies and all of them have their own users. <laughs> Yeah, because maybe I, I only like mark we, them as paid. I don't. It's yeah. 
Yeah, I, I feel like we've talked about that particular problem before, but more often than not, like every time I, I come to a new, you know, app like this, where there there are like people and groups of people, you invariably need people to belong to multiple groups mm -hmm. in the end. Or or they have to have it like I've seen where I know an accountant who does this type of stuff and he has like a different account and he just has this list of account names and passwords oh, for every client because they've and, and which software they're using because sometimes they're all using different software i was like that's it's terrible i'm so sorry like, <laughs> yeah i think uh i have an internal app that um we use here i guess not i we have an internal app that we use here as like mm -hmm. a kickoff starter app and the more i've worked with it i'm like i'm just going to start that app out with being able to have one person belong to multiple groups and invites just built in and I can just turn mm -hmm. them off. The data model can stay exactly as it is and I just turn off the invite feature or whatever or belonging to yep. multiple team feature because yeah, and I, I almost all clients ask for at least having more than one user and any business software yeah, and and you could even get a very long way into your app and only need like one user per per group or per team. Mm -hmm. But you 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 know, I, I there there is definitely some overhead to thinking about how do you hide that in the appropriate way if you don't if you don't need multi-user, multi-team or multi-group. Um but but there's a a huge benefit for not having to rethink your entire app <laughs> uh, if you've built it from the beginning. Yeah. And, and like there's um, because otherwise you get, you get in all these weird workarounds uh, or, or features that like are too contextual and, and, and not, not general enough. So like if I were building a new, new web app from scratch and it had some concept of, or might in the future need some concept of teams, I would probably go ahead and, and build it from the beginning. Yeah. Man, I'm too far into my software career to just be realizing that now, but <laughs> well, it's, it's so much easier to just go, well, one user has their entire, um, you know, their entire space is only their own and doesn't, isn't yeah. accessible by anyone else. Like that's way easier to think about, but and not even just from the aspect of like social media, but everybody's, you know, they're doing collaboration on right. everything. Like, heck, even, you know, something as, as sensitive as uh, financial information, like, for example, recently, um, you know, I've had a, an investment account for a long time um, that uh, was started when I got some like, you know, it has my retirement account in it. And um, and it has some some stock that I got from a previous employer and 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 stuff like that, and like giving my wife access access to see that stuff is like pulling teeth. Oh yeah, <laughs> Be, because the account, you know, even though they like you know say, oh well, you can give somebody else you know full control, like it's still my account, and and like even even though you know there is a concept of account separate from people there's still, you know, sort of an ownership idea and, and it just, um, it, it gets, gets complicated, uh, in a way that like if it had been, well, accounts are really belonging to groups of people. And it's just a matter of who 
are members of those groups. That's a that's a model that's probably more like what most apps nowadays would want to do. Yeah, well, and you can apply it across lots of things. Those groups could be families. They could be mm-hmm. whatever. And if you can belong to multiple groups, yeah. I, I mean, I worked on a medical app one time that some of the users could be kids. And if they were kids, then you also needed a parent uh, mm-hmm. because they, the parent needed to be able to get to the kids' stuff because the kids could actually share information too and medical information. So it's like the parent had to be able to say, no way, you can't share that or to override or whatever. And then they had doctors that could see things. So we ended up with needing similar concepts to teams multiple teams and then teams had to have their own sets of well you can get to this data and not that data right or you have this ability so you get into authorization per team and that that's always that's always uh difficult I, i think it's good to set yourself up to recognize that you will need that at some point but then you know i i've never seen one model that works for every single app in terms of authorization. No, me neither. I think doing the, the multiple teams can work for almost every app. And then mm-hmm. once you get into authorization, you have to just figure that out because everybody wants to do things differently. Some of them, they want it at the team level is your authorization. If you belong to this team, you can do this. Some of them want it at the individual level. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen things where you can see these individual fields only, like with medical records. Right. I had like a user could go through and say, well, they can see my name. I'll let them see my birthday and they can see my last blood test, but they can't see that I've had cancer or this or that. And so you had like every single little field or I can give them my birth year, but not my birth month. That was fun. Mm -hmm. I was like, seriously, (laughs) seriously, (laughs) or I'll give my birth month and day, but but not my year. I was like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> so yeah, that <laughs> I yeah, I've never seen authorization like a good authorization strategy for everything. Did did you have things where, you know, the 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 data items associated with that team had additional per group member restrictions? Mm-hmm. So like um so you say, "Hey, I uploaded this document which is like your test results or something." And now, like only the doctor who uploaded those test results plus or rather maybe the technician, maybe it's like a scan or something, plus my general practitioner can see it plus me and nobody else. And like that gets that sort of stuff. gets like I know you got a really thorny database model. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I mean, after you figured out all of the data, you you could build like macaroons around it or something. Right. Yeah. They work pretty well, but you have to be able to rebuild those macaroons when somebody logs in or yeah. And sometimes they're different per page. So like I have the ability to access these fields on this page and those fields mm-hmm. on that page because like I have different patients, right? So I can see certain, like one patient says you can see everything. The next patient says you can only see these things. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a fun database model. Hate it. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, like the, the cognitive load of, of uh, you know, understanding and implementing that to begin with and then making sure it's enforced in all the correct places is not a small task. We should talk about how to enforce things sometime and where that goes and how to do it. Yeah, I tried to do it in the current system with. So uh, there's an account right, or, or a, a team and mm-hmm. I, I put a team ID on every single table so that nobody could accidentally pull stuff. And that's, that's super obnoxious. It's not great. And then when you log in, we actually put something in your, your repo connection to say, always add this company ID in Mm. or, and at the time it was, well, we can shard on, on that ID then too. So like there's future expandability, but that also makes it so that, it's really hard to have things that interact between maybe multiple teams because now everything's right. owned by a team. So I, I can't have like a global directory very easily. Like things get super complicated. So uh, I, I regret that decision. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I've seen it in other places where I, I also regretted that it was there. And I think the bigger thing I regret there is that I put it into repo. It's like this global state. Right. Every time you connect, it's the yeah. only piece of global state in the app. And, you know, because everybody gets their own stack, you never affect anybody else. But it's really obnoxious that, mm-hmm. you know, now all of my tests have to set up this global state. But I was also trying to avoid having to, I, I didn't want a developer to have to remember, oh, yeah, I always need to be checking for a company. So where do I, but okay, I'm, I'm distracting. and i've got stuff to do today so all right uh so segue maybe next time yeah yeah well i hope i hope the ecto starts to treat you a little better (laughs) i got it working i got it working yesterday so (laughs) don't touch it it's a house of cards (laughs) but i am gonna go look up prepare changes and i'm gonna check out this uh see if my apply action pulls stuff out of changes like i think is happening possibly Mm. It's my theory. Jose can tell me I'm wrong or somebody else, but I'm going to go look it up anyway. All right. Well, good luck. Hey, thanks. I feel like I talked a lot today, but no, it was great. All right. Thank you. (laughs) See you, Sean. Have a good one, Amos. You too.